Praise the Lord. If you have your inserts, you can pull them out. If you have your U version, you can go to your iPhones and go to U version. Go to events and you can hit Church on the Rock and you can follow through there. Uh, some of our people that I got to go around and talk to today that are kind of new to Church on the Rock said, man, I still like just bringing my Bible. How many like just bringing your Bible to church? Because you can write down in it. So however you do that, God bless you today. You know, many times when we mention the word church today, people automatically think of a building or they think of somewhere that you're going, something that you go to. And then it comes up like, oh yeah, man, I go occasionally. Uh, I used to go to church, and then I hear I should go to church, and then even the other night at the, turn this down just a hair, and then even at the other night at the, at the bonfire, I had people that I haven't seen, and they said, oh, I feel bad, pastor, that I've not been there, amen, but we think of it as a place, and then some say, who needs church, which to me, that's the biggest problem, but the early church was different. They were different. They were born in a fire. They were born in the excitement. They couldn't wait till the time where the church gathered together. Yes, the church was persecuted, and yes, um, there were many house churches, but when they gathered together, the believers saw the church as a community, people that live life together, and there was an authentic kinship and an, and an authentic kind of joy. When you think of kinship, that's a, a brotherliness and a, a, a sisterliness and a mom and dad, not blood, but blood. But I fervently believe that God is calling the church, that we go back and we rediscover what the early church was like, and then we try to be like that. Amen? Because do you realize that the biggest explosion of, ex of evangelism happened 2,000 years ago when Christ planted the church? And I believe that the end-time evangelistic plan that God has is going to happen through the church, and there's something happen. Jesus is the building, and something amazing in the world is going to happen when we participate in being a part of his body to make it happen. I want you to write this down. Church is not somewhere you go. Church is something that we are. Church isn't somewhere you go. It's something that we are. And something, uh, as we conclude our Roman series, and uh, next week you don't want to miss uh, coming back because every person above the ordinary has a mission that you know that you're on, that you're called to fulfill for God, and, and there's a focus that you have to be on so you can be on a mission and not on intermission. We need goals and mission. Believe me, we need that. But to get to our goals, it's important that as we... Uh, become achieving our goals but next week we're going to talk about how a mission matters so this is the last week on Romans and we're going to go into how a mission matters last week when Paul leaves this letter he leaves with a greeting to the church of Rome he just wrote to Romans to the to Rome and now he was like I'm going to send this letter to you guys and uh, in this letter he honors 26 people but what I want to do today is I want to take a snapshot and I want to look at these 26 people, and I want to look at what Paul said about them. And when we look at what Paul said about them, we get an idea of kind of how the church operated in that time. The first thing I want you to realize is that, the, that he spoke, he said there's Romans and Greeks, and this is all in uh, Romans chapter 16. He said it was a diverse community of Romans and Greeks, Jews and Gentiles, men and women, prisoners and prominent citizens, 
And you know, diversity is the one thing that they had in common, and diversity is something that they celebrated. How many know we need to celebrate diversity and not, not fight against it? Let's celebrate that. The early church, they crossed the line in every way. They crossed the lines culturally, they crossed the lines socially, they crossed the lines intellectually and economic lines. They crossed them and they said, hey, we're all the same. You know, I don't care what, how much you make, and I don't care about the degree you have or don't have, or the job you have or don't have, or the color of skin or the color of skin you don't have, and uh, it doesn't matter. They had a common ground, and let us not get caught up <coughs> to where we don't celebrate diversity. Diversity. How many know that we're all created in the image of God? Amen. Praise the Lord. Sometimes we get to think that God is white. How do you know if he's white and somebody says, well, he's got, don't even get me going there. Anyway, but then he goes through and he said, first of all, there was Phoebe. And he starts going through and he says, there was Phoebe. And here's what he said about Phoebe. He said, I commend you to our sister Phoebe, who was a deacon. I want you to circle that. A deacon is a servant. And when you read that, uh, a deacon is a servant. And, the, and, and when you study that word, it says, one who raises up or kicks up dust because they're moving in a hurry to do ministry. And they're moving in a hurry to make Jesus known. That's what a, a deacon does. But uh, she was a deacon in the church. Paul said, welcome her in the Lord as one, look at this, worthy of honor. Help her. Come on, women, let's have some girl power today. Help her. All of us guys say women keep silent in the church. That's why you need to read the whole Bible. Amen. Welcome her in the Lord as one who is worthy of honor among God's people. Look at this. Help her in whatever she needs. Help her. Because why do I need to help her? Because she was helpful to me, Paul said, and he was helpful to a lot of people. So she was highly regarded in the church. Here's another thing we know about, about Phoebe. She was a wealthy businesswoman. Come on, women. She was a wealthy businesswoman. She, uh, we may have some women out here that, in fact, the other day a, a woman told me, she said, uh, actually the reason we live closer to my work is because I make more than my husband and I make him drive further. So, so she was a wealthy, in fact, she was so wealthy, they think she had businesses in other churches. And the reason Paul used this woman, Paul used this woman to deliver the letter of Romans to the Romans. I mean, she carried herself, she had influence. She had, she had a way. Have you ever met a woman that when they walk in the room, they ha just have a presence about them? How many appreciate Joyce Meyer's ministry? A and, and I love a man that can allow his wife to be able to do all that God has her to do. You know, it doesn't matter who's doing it in the kingdom of God. We just need to be glad it's getting done. Amen? Wouldn't that be wonderful? It'd be a wonderful thing. But she was wealthy. Paul said, receive her in the, in, in the, in the, in, in the Lord and receive her. And, and uh, she carried this, this letter to him. But, you know, when he said to welcome her, he said, give her anything she needs because she's been a great help to me. Life within the body of Christ. Here's a snapshot of the early church. Life within the body of Christ was always ready to exchange help. They, were, they, they lived together. They, they did life together. Phoebe, with her wealth, helped Paul. She supported her, his ministry with her wealth. She was there to use her wealth and her influence and her abilities to help Paul. And Paul said, and to help many people. 
And then he said, now when she comes to you in your town, she's helped out. Now you guys need to step up and help her. Show her the hospitality that Christians are supposed to have. She's been good to people, now be good to her. And you know, yesterday uh, we were uh, helping Bob and Karen uh, do some work at their house, and we were cutting some trees, and there were about 10 people there working, and, and we were all sweating. All of us were over 50. I think I was the youngest one there. Everybody else was, you know, old fogies, okay? And they were going up and down these stairs, and, and we were climbing ladders and cutting stuff and all this stuff. And, and, but anyway, it just hit Bob to where it broke him to tears, saying, I can't believe you guys come and help me. You know why? Here's what I say to Church on the Rock. Bob and Karen, you guys deserve honor at Church on the Rock. You visit people in the hospital. You give of your time. You're willing to do anything that, that needs to be done. And now there's something that you need done that we can do. So let's exchange that help. Brothers and sisters, the early church exchanged help. Let us not be willing to always be the taker, taker, taker. Let this church be like the early church to where we give of ourselves to the Lord. It goes both ways. Fulfill both of those roles, okay? And then he said, give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry. In fact, these people risk their lives. They laid their lives down for Paul. Uh, and then he said, give my greetings to the church. Everybody say to the church that met in their home. Say home group. Say church group. So now then we see, here's a model of a couple. Husband and wife. Boyfriend and girlfriend. A couple that did some extraordinary things for the Lord. And let's, these people were what you call the behind the scenes people. They, they were just a great couple. They, they were just a loving couple. They were a couple that practiced hospitality. They were probably really good listeners. They, they were like person to person. They were one-on-one. -on -one. They were like private evangelists. They weren't the guys talking on the, on the stage on Sunday morning. They weren't up here on the stage doing the talking. They were the ones that were behind the stage or behind the scenes getting it done. They were private evangelists. They were private mentors. They were private encouragers. And you know, Napoleon Hill said this. He said, it's literally true that you can succeed best and quickest if you would just help others to succeed. How many know we need to do some pushing up? They were a model of what a couple can do together in service for the Lord. I love it. When Carmen was talking about serving in the kids, I don't like it when a husband and wife split up. To me, serve together. Me and Carmen do everything together. We do everything together. I think couples do too much stuff apart. I think you're better together. I think that, 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 when, that when God puts you and your mate together, that you guys complement each other in a way. There's nothing more powerful than when a husband and wife pray for you. I like it that, you know, I think we get too uh, sectioned off sometimes too much. Think of what you can do as a husband and a wife. But these people, what they did is these guys, they modeled service to the Lord. They used their home. They opened up their home. They gave their gifts, their life. Anything that God needed, do it. Uh, and then uh, Mother Teresa said this. In life, in this life, we cannot always do great things, but we can do small things with great love. 
These guys did small things with great love. They were Paul's closest friends. I, I've got some Priscilla and Aquilas. I've got some people that whenever I go out to eat with them, I'm encouraged. I'm lifted up. I've got people that, 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 that don't come up and just uh, give me a laundry list of all, their, of all the problems and the things they, they don't like. I've got people that lift me up. I've got people that pray for me. I've got people that I can say, pray for me on my cell phone, and they text me back immediately and say, you're covered. I've got people that say, when I do a terrible job and make mistakes at stuff, I've got people that say, you can do it, Brian. You can do it. God's got you. That's what, that's what these kind of people were. You know, they upheld Paul. They were so supportive of his work. Maybe God's just calling you to support someone else. You know, there was an anonymous person that said this, to make a difference in someone's life, you don't have to be brilliant, you don't have to be rich, beautiful, or perfect. You just have to care enough to be there. Amen? Did you know, here's the other thing about these two, Aquila and Priscilla. They mentored this guy named Apollos. Anybody ever heard of Apollos? That's like the guy that saved Billy Graham. That, do, do you realize when we ask you to help in children's church, do you realize that you might be holding the next Billy Graham? Do you realize in nursery when we, when, we, when we say, when we pull out the card and we say, Jesus loves you, and you teach them the song, Jesus loves you, this I know, and you tell them the kiss to Jesus card. And, and do, do you know that, that when you have that kid in your lap and you're taught to do this in the nursery where you pray over them and you speak into their life, do you know that's what these kind of people were? These were the ones that when I was in high school, I used to go to some Christian thing. I forgot what it was called. But this guy named John Moore, he had it in his home. This guy named John Moore used to call the kid that was shy on the side. And he would pull me over and he'd say, Brian, I'm really glad you were here tonight. He was the guy that last Friday night when everybody was eating their s'mores and having their hot dogs and hanging out with their buddies. He was the guy that was looking for the person that was sitting alone. He was the guy that was totally just lived his life for others. But he would look at me and he'd come and sit by me and he'd say, I'm glad you came tonight, Brian. And he said, I see God in your life and I see God going to do extra extraordinary things through your life. And that's when I was a kid that had a 38 waist and a 29 length and got made fun of because I was fat and, and stuff. But then kind of things changed to where my waist turned to 29 and my length turned to 36. And I became ath athletic and stuff like that, that his daughter is actually, I started dating her. And that family is who won me to the Lord. That family is the family that talked me into giving up a full-paid scholarship to run track and play football. I wouldn't have to pay the thing. And to go to Bible college and pursue a call of God in my life. A Priscilla and Aquila. There's Priscilla and Aquilas in here today. There's Priscilla and Aquilas that can mentor powerful people for the Lord. Do you know what you can do for the Lord? 
And then there he said, my dear friend Epitus, Epitus, it says he was the first person from the province of Asia to become a follower of Christ. You know, I think that's pretty cool because Paul was like, man, he was the first one. He was the first one. Uh, Paul, uh, you know, a lot of times we think of first. We think who won the Super Bowl, who, who got first in the golf tournament, uh, who got first in the MMA fight last night. I was thinking about that. But Paul was thinking who was my first convert. Who was my first this? Who was my first that? But recognizing your first in life is a valuable exercise. Do you know the church that you worship in? This church that you worship in? Did you know it was a church plant? Did you know it started in a home? Did you know that people came from Wyoming with just a prayer and God telling them to come? And you're setting in something that's going to be here 100 years from now. Because of some people. Did you know that? Do you know who was the first convert in this church? Do you know who the first was? Do you remember the first person? Who was the first person? I want you to think of your first. Who was the first person that told you about Jesus? How many say it was a pastor or it was on a Sunday morning? Raise your hand if the first person that you heard about Jesus, it was in a setting like this. Now raise your hand if the first person that told you about Jesus had nothing to do with church. Raise your hands. Kind of a difference, isn't it? Are we catching the drift today? Who's the first? Do you remember the first time on things? How many remember your first kiss? My first kiss was a girl named Jody Murray. And we were in the kindergarten and we snuck in the bathroom and had us a little peck. That's, I mean, the first one I kissed outside my cousins. No, <laughs> I am from Missouri, you know, not just kidding. <laughs> oh, geez, God help me. Who was the first? My first convert, the first person I won to the Lord, his name was Trent Malosan. He was in Louisiana, and we worked at the Mexican food restaurant together. And he used to follow me around and wonder what was weird about me and why I didn't cuss and go party and all that stuff. I got to win Trent Malasson to the Lord. I remember him saying, I want what you have. And I didn't even know how to win him to the Lord. And I went and got my, my course at Bible college and we went through how to lead someone to Christ and we just read it. And that was my first convert. I remember the first person that I sent to go pastor a church. His name's Kevin Reich. Marlene, you're there today. You go to his church when you're in Branson. It's a wonderful church. Kevin was a product of Carmen and I's ministry, and he was our first person that we sent out to plant a church. There's just so many things when you think about who was that first. And then Paul won on, and I want to ask you who, God put this on my heart today really strong. Who's going to be your first, how many have converted someone to Christ to begin with? If you haven't, let this be a year of firsts. If you haven't had one this year, let's make it a first. But who is your first convert? Who is your first d- disciple? And then he went on and he said, give my greetings to Mary. Mary was a person who worked hard. She was just a hard worker. And uh, Sam Ewing said this, hard, hard work spotlights, spotlights the character of people. Some turn up their sleeves, some turn up their noses, And some don't even turn up at all. 
But hard work is what it happens. There's satisfaction in knowing that you're working hard together and accomplishing something for the Lord. Hard work has to be there. The best, way, the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in service to others. You know who said that? Jesus said that. Hard workers in church, to me, are the precious one. And they're so important that Paul took time in his letter to Romans and he said, Hey, I want to tell you about Mary. And I did some study on that, and Paul, I don't even think he knew Mary. He heard about Mary because he heard people saying, man, there's this lady named Mary. She is a stinking hard worker. She shows up for everything. It doesn't matter if it's sweeping the floors, wiping a snotty nose, uh, um, uh, saying hello at the door to people. It doesn't matter. This woman works hard. Man, she works hard for the gospel. God's looking for people that will work hard. For the gospel. You know, I don't like this word because to me we're not volunteers. To me we're servants of the Lord. But I'm going to quote this that Sherry Anderson said because I like this statement. Volunteers don't get paid. Not because they're worthless, but because they're priceless. I want to say that again. Volunteers don't get paid, not because they're worthless, but it's really because they're priceless. So Paul says, man, I'm talking about these people, I'm talking about these people, how about Mary? Then he said, greet Andronicus and Judea. Uh, I highly respect them, another husband and wife team. And then he said, greet Amphibiotus. Uh, he was part of Caesar's household. And he, the, the way we know that he was part of Caesar's household is because later in the book of Romans, it says, say hi to this guy who's a part of Caesar's household. So we see that Christianity was even being spread into the imperial family, into Caesar's household. Think about that. Remember we talked about diversity. We're talking about people that work hard, couples that did things together, people that were put in Caesar's house. And then he said, greet Urbanius, our co-worker in Christ. This guy looked up. He was saved and sent by the church to be a missionary. And my dear friend Stockies, and he, that Stockies, when I looked him up, his family was a part of the imperial household. So what happened is Paul won somebody to Christ in the imperial household. And what I think happens is people in the imperial household begin to win others to Christ. What does that mean? That means that wherever you are in life and whatever you do, we are all called to be preachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I believe one person got in that emperor's household, and then I believe several people were saved because of that person. What difference are you making in your job? Who are you bringing to Christ with you is what I want to ask you. But we see that. The early church was bringing people to Christ. He said, greet Apelles. A good man whom Christ, uh, appear, whom Christ approves. You know, when I studied the history on this guy, get this, get this. This guy was related to Herod. In fact, they think that this guy, they're, they can't, they're not positive, but they think that this guy was Herod Agrippa, Agrippa I. They think that it was Herod Agrippa I's brother. And you think about it. In the book of Romans, there's two times where Paul stood before uh, Herod and stood before uh, an, an, another high leader. And the leader said, you almost persuaded me to be a Christian. 
So we know that Paul was getting into the influential people. And then he said, give my greetings to the household of Eripulus, a family known in making it happen. And then he said, greet Herodian, my fellow Jew, who I went to school with. What I want to say on that is greet my fellow Jew. That one and a little bit further down, we see that those are family relationships. Okay? I'm I'm not saying things to brag today. I'm just saying things to put the idea in your head. I was the first one of my brothers to turn it all over to the Lord. We all drank heavily. And, and, and part of us used drugs. And I mean, we were partiers and we weren't living. We grew up in the Methodist church, but we walked away. I remember I'd call home from Bible college and I'd say, Man, I went street witnessing today, mom and dad. And that's when you had the phones and not cell phones. And you had two or three phones. And mom and dad, we had three phones in our farmhouse. And mom was on one line, dad was on the other line. I didn't know it, but my brother Kent was on the other line. And Kent was listening to me saying, man, I got to win a drunk guy on the street to the Lord today. I got to, in my first year of Bible college, I got to lead 45 people to the Lord in my soul evangelism class. Because we'd go out on the streets and witness in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And I'd call home and tell them these stories. And, and we'd take my pickup and set it up between bars and, 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 and stick a, a magnet with a big speaker on my hood and we would preach the gospel and we'd have guitars and we'd sing in the back and and when we didn't when people needed prayer for prayer we didn't have anointing oil so I broke out the Quaker State 10W40 motor oil Um, I've had women take their clothes completely off in front of me I've been punched on the street I've been hit with a beer bottle Uh, but those are the days my friend I mean, but, 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 the, but my brother would hear these stories. And one night he said, Mom, Dad, hey, Braden, give me five extra today on your plans. Mom, Dad, um, Mom, Dad, get off the phone. And when he said that, my brother, I was like, oh, geez. I didn't know Kent was on the phone. And then I hear, Kent? I'm not doing good, little brother. Little brother, I'm not. My life's screwed. Hey, man. Long story short, led him to the Lord. He was my roommate the next semester. He's a pastor of a church right now of over 600 people. He pastors three churches. So don't don't look. Anyway, stay on it, Brian. Stay on point. But anyway, that happened. My brother Mark. How many remember Mark? My brother Mark that came up here. He was a farmer. He was he worked uh, he he was a pole man for REA, Rural Electric Co-op. But I knew Mark had a call. Got Mark sold everything and came up to church on the rock. Worked a year, huh, Kevo? Jan worked a year for no pay. Because God blessed him on the farm. Church on the Rock grew. He got paid. Mark was sent from this church. And now he pastors a church in Lamar, Missouri. And his son is the youth pastor. What are you saying? In the book of Acts, this is the way things happen. I want things like we're reading about to happen in this church. 
I want to see you. I want to start hearing your stories about winning your family. I want to start hearing how you went into the imperial household, how you went into your business place, how you went into your world. And I, I want to start reading about the people that you converted. Uh, why, why are we looking up here at us to do it? I, I want to hear about, man, Mary's a hard worker. I mean, we look at church, so who's preaching today? I hope I like the worship. I hope it isn't this or that or who this and that. Who, wh man, there's some, where's some hard workers that'll roll up their sleeves and not look down their noses and that'll show up and say, just let me do something for the Lord. I, I think we've gotten too much in a consumer mentality. And God has called us to lay our lives down for him. I believe that. I want, I'm passionate that we be like the early church. And then it says, give my greeting to the people from the house of Narcissus. Now this is real cool. Narcissus was Tiber, Tiber, Tiberius Claudius Narcissus. He was a wealthy, powerful man through the emperors Tiberius and Claudius. This is a fact. Got executed by Nero in 54. In all of his possessions, he was wealthy. And his slaves were confiscated by the imperial family. But they were all saved. And Paul was saying, greet these guys that are slaves but saved. See the diversity? And then he said, give my greeting to Tryphena and Tryphosa. Here's what I think. These guys were sisters. They know these were sisters. Maybe twins. The Lord's workers. Look at this. Who has worked so hard for the Lord? You see another hard worker. Greet Rufus. This is one of the coolest ones in this whole story. Greet Rufus. Get this. Rufus is son of Simon, or some say Simeon, of Cyrene. He was the North African man. Guess who this guy was? Remember Mark 15, 21, when Jesus was carrying the cross? <clears throat> and the soldier said, hey, you, get over here and carry that cross. It was this guy. It was Simon. The Cyrene, a North African black man, he put Christ's cross and he carried it up. He wasn't even a believer, they don't think. He was just watching. Gave his heart to the Lord. In Acts 13 or 15 or somewhere, he's the teacher they're talking about. He had this boy named Rufus who was tearing it up for Jesus. And his wife, Rufus's mother, Paul said, let me tell you about Rufus. His mom was like a mom to me. And I said, that's cool, because I'm a mama's boy. I'm a person that needs affirmation, because I condemn myself all the time. In my mind, I can't do anything right. And so when you all tell me I don't do it right, you're not helping me, because I already think I don't do it right. And so you're not loving me at all. You're really hurting me because I tell myself I can't do it as it is. Okay? Um, but these people, Rufus's mom, I, I, I think Paul, I think Paul, I don't think I know it. I, I, I think Paul struggled with insecurity and confidence. And I think a lot of people that are given great authority 
are the ones that are the, the scaredest and most insecure and, and stuff. I, I really do. Paul said, when I came to you, I came with trembling and I was shaking. And, and, and when I preached, it wasn't with excellency of speech or with man's wisdom. In fact, I feel like I did a terrible job preaching. But he said, when I came to you, it was with a demonstration of power. So that your salvation would not rest in the wisdom of man or in the articulation of man or in the ability of man. But your salvation would rest in the ability of God. And Paul said in another place, he said, one thing that I have done is that when I've come to you, he said, I have fully preached the gospel. I've not just told you the word, I've told you the truth, and I've not just told you the word. God has demonstrated or shown fruit from the word too. God was on your side. You know, in Mark 16, 20, it says that the disciples preached the word everywhere, and it says the Lord was with them. Come on, anybody out here today? The Lord was with them, confirming the word with signs and wonders following. The Lord was with him. You know, Joseph was a successful man. Why? Because the Lord was with him. But I'm sure that Paul was that way. But you know what? This woman said, Paul, you can do it. You're doing an amazing job. I can't believe how the letters that God's using you to write. I can't believe the churches that you're raising up. I, I can't believe this. They were so encouraging. Can there, can there be any people in this church that can be encouraging? Can, there be a, can this church be like the early church who affirms, who builds up, who, who looks past? The Bible says that love covers. It looks past. But we see this. And then we see to Philogius and Julia and Nereus, and Antrichus, and Felagan, and Hermas, and Petrobus, and, and all these people, all these people, listen to this guys, all these peoples opened up their homes to their communities. Out of the 26 names, over half of them opened up their home to their community. That's something that God's speaking. If you say, Pastor, what's God telling you on the vision of Church on the Rock? What are we supposed to do? God is telling me that we're supposed to start impacting our communities. And that we're supposed to have home churches, house churches. We call them home groups in today's. But these guys were just churches to where they were influencing their communities. And it was simple what they did. The Bible says that these home churches in Acts chapter 2, it says this. It said they continued in the apostles' teaching. And then it says they broke bread together, one with another. And then it says they took of the Lord's Supper. And then they did this. They prayed for each other. If you have teenagers, if you have teenagers, if you have young children, I feel like God, David, this might even be speaking to you. I feel like God is asking families to just open up their homes in their area. Buy a pool table. Get some things to do. You know, the other night, we had probably over 200 people here. You don't have to entertain them. Just get some balls and open up a thing and have some food. I, I believe God is calling some of you to open up your home, especially if you've got teenagers. If you've got little kids, open up your home. 
Invite all the neighbor kids around. Always have the barbecue grill going. You know what I would love to do is quit having vacation Bible school where you tell everybody to come to the church. I would rather have 18 vacation Bible schools in your neighborhoods that we supply the material and you're the teacher. And the food and the crafts and everything's done at your house. If we just wait for the world to come to this church, we're going to be waiting a while. They're going to come to God through, you, through your lives. I, I believe that. And God is calling me to get this church mobile. And it, is anybody hearing this call today? I, I'm serious. If I had teenagers, man, I would do something in my house where all the kids were there. Where all of them was there. And get all the neighbor kids there. Hey, start giving your life. We are so self-absorbed and self-consumed and think we're so tired and don't have any energy left. Guys, we got one life to live, and we got one life to give it to the Lord. And we got some people that will give their lives to the Lord. So he just goes on with all that. And I'm going to stop today. But with every head bowed and eyes closed, as the ushers are coming forward and getting ready for communion today, with every head bowed and eyes closed, who would say, Brian, today I want to ask Jesus to come into my life. I want to become a Christian today. I want to become a part of this church family. I, I, want, to be, I, I want to see my life be different than it is currently. With every head bowed and eyes closed, would you lift up your hand and say, I would like to be a Christian today. And I see your hand, I'm going to pray with you. I see that one hand. Anybody else say, I see that hand, I want to become a Christian today. Amen. Anybody else say, I want to become a Christian today. I saw two hands that are new hands to me. So I want the church to begin to pray that they have a born-again experience. Church, begin to pray. Lord... In Jesus' name. You that raised your hand, I want you to pray this. Church, pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I come to you today. A sinner in need of a Savior. I hear you calling me today. And I want to answer. And I want you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I believe in you today. Jesus, I believe that you died and that you rose again. And I confess that with my mouth. And I believe it in my heart. And your word says I am saved today. In Jesus' name. Church, give the Lord a hand clap for these two people that did that. Karen, as you open up the table, at the end of service today, we're going to have the altar team come up. At the end of service today, there's going to be like four people up here that's going to be praying. You two people that raised your hand, please come up and tell that person, say, I prayed that prayer with Pastor Brian today. Amen. As you're receiving these, um, the bread and the body of Christ, just hold it and we'll partake of it together. Our communion is open. Everybody's welcome. The only prerequisite is that Jesus, that you've asked Jesus to be come into your life and that you are a believer. So grab your cup 
And when you get your cup, you can separate it. There's two cups. There's bread on the bottom. There's bread on the bottom, and there's a cup on the top, if you could separate those. If they're sticking a little bit, just kind of twist it counterclockwise. Hey, Brad, bring Terry up a little bit. He's doing a nice lick back there. If you don't care, I'd like for you to stay seated and not get real loud or emotional. If you'd separate your cups, I want to do the blood first today. I want to do the blood first today. What I want you to think about as we're doing this portion of communion is I want you to imagine a lamb. And in the Old Testament, the person put their head, their hands on the head of the lamb. And that was symbolized that you were transferring your sin to that innocent lamb which had been checked out by the priest and your sins went to that lamb and then they took that lamb and that lamb died instead of you and that blood was for your sin that's that's the old testament symbolism in the new testament john the baptist said behold the lamb of god which taketh away the sins of the world so today before you take the blood i want you to imagine all of your sins past past present and future are being put your hands on the lamb in the spirit today put your hands on Jesus and transfer your sin transfer your guilt transfer your shame transfer your condemnation transfer that and then start saying thank you Jesus thank you Jesus because we're supposed to be thankful now say thank you Jesus and the Bible says that he who knew no sin became my sin, that I might be made righteous. So Jesus, that lamb, died, and he gave you, he took your sin, and he gave you his righteousness. Now I want you to say, thank you for the blood. And I want you to say, I am righteous. And the, here, I, if the enemy tells you all your sins... Just say, yeah, I'm forgiven. Because usually when I do that, he names all my sins. Say, I am righteous. I am holy. I am clean.
now say thank you Jesus and drink the cup drink the cup now here's the second thing I want to do today the body of Christ starts with a loaf of bread and that signify that signifies Jesus the bread of life Jesus said I'm the bread of life and then when you break the body that's him his body being broken on the cross and then when you break it every one of you have a piece of that body everybody look at that piece you are a piece of the body of Christ think about that Jesus the bread of life gave you a piece look at that bread and say I'm a piece of the body of Christ that's called the church. Jesus is the body. We're the body of Christ, Ephesians says, and Christ is the head of the body. And we're the fullness of Jesus in the earth. It's the body. Everybody say, we're the body of Christ. Okay? Now, here's what I want you to do. I want the uh, tech team, I want you to put up that slide of challenge and prayer at the end. Here's what I want you to do today. It says every person, if you have your um, inserts, I even want you to look at this because I, I, we, I, I want us to respond to the message. Are you finding it? Every person, it's the last slide. Every person, if you look at your insert, every person, come on, Sammy, I know you can find it. Last slide, every person. Give me a thumbs up or down if you're going to be able to do it. Down. Okay, I'm going to do it with my voice. Here's what, the reason this is so serious to me is I think God said this to me. He said, Brian, tell the church this. We're the body of Christ. We are God's word. We are his church. And here's what Christ is asking this church today. That every person would take their distinct role and position in this local church body. Every person in here, as you partake of the body, I believe Christ is asking that each individual person, that you would take a spot in this body of Christ and give yourself back to the Lord to serve. And today you can do that. I want all of our ministry workers at the new, at the new visitor center, Amanda, Carmen, Bob, Karen, as many as we can, hand people papers, anything. Say, I'll serve in the children. I'll, I'll serve anywhere you want. I'm, I'm a hard worker. I'll open up my home. Something that every person would take their position in this church. Number two, as you're taking the bread, I believe the Holy Spirit is asking people to open up your home to be a house church. And if that's you, I want you to leave a piece of paper in the newcomers today. I mean, there's paper all over. There's pens in front of you. Say, I will open up my home. I want to be a house church, a home church. And then the last thing, is I want you to do a first this year. Remember when I said, who's your first? 
Have you ever, who's your first person you led to Christ? Who's your first disciple? Who's your first? Today, I want you to do, after today's service, I want you to do something for the very first time. If, if you came to salvation for the first time, if you say, I'm going to lead somebody to salvation for the first time, I'm going to disciple my first disciple. I'm going to give of my finance for the first time. I'm going to start serving at Church on the Rock for my first time. I'm going to win one of my family members for the first time. I'm going to open up my home the first time. I've never done this. I'm going to do daily prayer or daily vibing. I'm going to do it for the first time today. I heard the Holy Spirit saying that today. What are you going to do for the first time today? I want you to write that down on your insert. And as you're holding that bread, I want you to think of this bread as you're taking your spot. You're taking your role. You're taking your position in Christ's body. And you're offering yourself. You're, you're like, Lord, thank you that you are my bread. But now I give myself back to you. So as you eat the bread, I want you to think of it as Christ the bread of life. But then I want you to think about giving your life back to him. Take and eat the bread today. Thank you, Lord. As the ushers come forward, you can pass your cups to the end. Communion was done a little bit different. If you can find those three things, yep, right there they are. In fact, I wish, sing that song. I want you just to look at that a little bit and let the Holy Spirit speak to you all my life. I don't want you guys to sing. I want you to think about this. Amen. Let's stand to our feet today. Sing that out all my life. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. That I will sing of the goodness of God. Of the goodness of God. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand clap today. Amen. As you're going today, we're going to ask the prayer team to come forward. If you gave your heart to the Lord or you want to be baptized July 21st, come tell these guys. If you need prayer because you're sick, or you just need counsel or encouragement, these people are here to pray with you. Please don't leave without being prayed for. God bless you in the name of Jesus. Leave some cards in the visitor center about how you want to take your role in the body of Christ. God bless you.